Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. What we do at the first part of the show is to explain to you who we are and what we're attempting to do. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we do with that money, if you will, is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated, to come out of incarceration, and then to make that transition into community. We do it in several ways, but certainly one of the ones that is my favorite is uh, this radio show, and it's been going for a little over six years now. And what we do is to bring in people who are helping people who are coming out of incarceration in their transition to community, and that incorporates agencies, it incorporates politicians, uh, all sorts of people just coming out of prison, people who are in the community helping. It's a whole litany of array of people who have been on the show in the past. If you're interested in that, you can go back to the archives of KBXL and look up Victor Over Sin, look up the archives, and we've got all the shows on there. You will see past uh, directors of the Department of Corrections, you'll see some senators, you'll see a governor or two, and you'll see all sorts of people who have been on the show and have done great things. Uh, We're proud of those archives, so go back and take a look at it. It will give you an insight, really, into how the Department of Corrections works and here in Idaho. In addition to that, we also have a PowerPoint presentation that we are actually happy to come to your business, to your church, to your neighborhood association, and talk to you about life after incarceration. It's a 20-minute PowerPoint. The great thing about it is that it is led by a person who has come out of incarceration, a returning citizen, and they will do the PowerPoint, and then they'll be there to answer questions about what's going on in their life and how they made that transition. So that's powerful. If you've been listening to me over the past couple of years, you know that the operation that we direct has gotten much, much bigger. We now offer uh, services out of our Overland office at 3217 West Overland Road. We want everybody coming out of incarceration to go there day one and to get a clothing voucher and some information, bus passes, food, and then we send them on their way. In addition, if you are inside the system now, walking around the desert today, and you need a ride from incarceration, you can have your case manager send me an email, and we will actually come pick you up and take you through the first couple of days of your transition back into the community. We also have an office in Caldwell that's located inside probation and parole. So if you go to your you're going over to Canyon County and you have to check in with your with your parole officer or your probation officer. You can just say, hey, let me talk to St. Vincent de Paul, and we've got a couple of people over there too. So those are all the things we've got going on. Most of that information can be found if you look up www.svdpid.org. Click on reentry, and that should answer some of your questions. 
At the end of the show, I will let you know how to get in touch with me. If you um, want more information about our guest or about what we do, we'll be happy to offer that assistance. We'll be right back with a a gentleman that I have met the last several months, uh, and I think you'll be excited to hear his story and what he is doing. We'll be right back. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the need to change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, this is kind of cool. I get to introduce a a man that every once in a while you get these people that kind of stumble across your path and you get excited about what they're doing. And this man is uh, Ronald Henry, and he we're going to list him as a person who is a he's a free to succeed mentor. He's an advocate. He's a returning citizen, and he also is a member of the American Legion here in the Treasure Valley. Welcome to the show, Ronald. Hey, thank you for having me. This is uh, this is kind of cool. Um, before we get started into what you're all doing, don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and all that kind of stuff. What got you to Idaho? Oh, what got me to Idaho? Crime. <laughs> um, I was passing through to complete criminal activities. I'm originally from Compton, California. Oh, wow. Yeah, I grew up in a... And you're a, a tough guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gentle soul. Yes. Uh, I grew up in a trap house in Compton. My mom was a drug dealer and my dad was the same. Uh, He wasn't my birth father. This was my mom's boyfriend. He was in and out of prison. So I've had contact with um, inmates my whole life. Mm -hmm. And um, this is probably the roots of why I do what I do today. Because I got tired of seeing family members and my mom's boyfriends who I fell in in love with as a father figure consistently going back to prison. And I didn't really see any reentry for them, you know, looking back. So that's kind of one of my passions and drives of why I do what I do. And then you, so you choose sort of to get into the system here in Idaho, which happens to be one of the most intensive uh, programs in terms of incarceration in the country. So that's uh, whatever I always call, they call you a consumer of correctional services. So that's, that's 81634, right? So yes. what was that charge and how did that happen? If you don't mind talking about it. Yeah, well... What happens when you do drugs and alcohol is you end up in some really bad places. So 81634 was a gang member who ended up incarcerated for 25 years total, six and a half fixed, 18 and a half indeterminate, and I did 18 years of that. Um, The 81634 became Ron Henry in 2006. I went down to the school to sell drugs with a fellow gang member, and while we were there, we decided, well, I decided that I was going to go distract the teacher to make sure he doesn't go in the bathroom and bust what we were doing. And while I was there, I signed up for a refresher math class. And it was just to sign up. Well, the next day I saw my name on the call out and I thought, well, let me get off this tier because it's so loud. And it was one of the most violent 
uh, tiers at ICC mm-hmm. in 2006. Yeah. And they called it Gladiator School. Yeah. And I said, well, it's time for me to take a little break. So I left his school and started doing some math. And it was kind of fun, but it was just nice to get off the tier. And it was quiet and everybody was helping each other. I started helping other people around me when I started getting a little better at math. And the TA said, Ronnie, I'm getting paroled out. I'm going to Texas. <coughs> Would you mind uh, taking over the class for me? Yeah. And I said, take over the class? He goes, oh, the way you teach GED, the way you help people, it's amazing. You've got this. And I was so much self-doubt. I was living on a gangbanger tier. I didn't have a whole bunch of education. I got a GED in county jail. So I thought, what can I offer? And when he left and I took over and it was just me, that next um, quarter we got record GEDs at ICC. So, you know, we were at the same prison at the same time. Were we? Yeah, we were. And I actually, probably 2005, I was the porter at ICC working in the, uh, right there. Did they move you out of the gladiator tier? Yeah, after about six months. Yeah. Yeah, I said, uh, it's because at the time it was uh, JKL. Yeah, JKL. Yeah, so I lived in J, and then they moved me to A, Uh and A was pretty much segregation Mm -hmm. with a celly, Mm -hmm. because we were always locked down for something, but finally one day I just told the shot caller of the the Southsiders, like, I would really like to be done with all this mess. What can I do? I really, the aha moments and everybody I helped, the, the tears, the hugs, every time somebody would get a GED or just finish a packet, they came to me with so much appreciation. And I yep. loved that. Yep. So I wanted to do that. And that's really where I fell in love with, like helping people. Oh, fantastic. So I left the gang stuff behind. I moved down to H Block to the worker dorm. Say, they moved me to E. They moved me to E from a C block at the same time. Now we're talking about, you're listening to us and you understand what that is. Boy, you were in IS, ICC a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've changed numbers They've changed and letters numbers and all kinds. Yeah. I still can't keep, I go out there and I can't keep a track of it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, it will always be ABC and JKL and, uh, yeah. and, and uh, GHI. So yeah, it's crazy. So that's where 81634 became Ronnie Henry. Well, that, was, that was that uh, was when I became a full-time teacher. Uh, David Malhoff and Mr. Boyd, who yeah. were the principal and vice principal at the school. Jason actually, Boyd's at Sicky now. Did you know that? Is he? And, Mel, to, and Malhoff retired. I'm going to have to look them up and yeah, uh, Jason, talk to him. Jason's at Sicky and he's doing the same thing over there. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him. They... Uh, they have a special spot in my heart. They're, but he's a good guy. They had, because I was a very active gang member at the time, living mm-hmm. on a gang member tier, they had a meeting about whether they should hire me or not. <laughs> it was good. like a big thing, and they couldn't figure it out at the end, so they had another meeting. That's right. And uh, I bet Jason was the one who supported you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they, they all did. They just had to talk yeah. about it, because, again, very That's active right. gang member in the school. We were talking about this before, Eric, about how God uh, kind of puts things together and I didn't know that we didn't know that obviously if you're figuring that out over, as we're taking this <laughs> right. but uh, that's that's fantastic so all those people are still around but uh, that's fan- absolutely great so let's talk about some of the stuff that you're doing since you've gotten out again it's impressive I see people come out and they get involved with something but you're involved with almost everything the free to succeed mentorship you want to start with that did you do that which one of those did you do first okay so I was in the American Legion post 201 at right. ICC with Mark Person and all that stuff? Yes. And okay. then uh, I was also in the mentorship group with Mark Person and Michael Copenhaver. They're still doing that? Yes. I uh, just got off the phone with Mark on the way here. Loves everything we're doing. Loves what you do. But um, 
when I was in there, I promised the mentorship group and the American Legion both that I was going to come back out and reach back in. And they were going to form a bubble, if you will, around somebody who's going to return. So they would go and work with them inside. And as they were getting ready to reenter, I would come out and catch them on the outside. So reaching back in was a promise that I made good. That's good. That's fantastic, man. So the free, so the veterans were the, was the first group upon release or did you become a mentor? Um, the veterans group, I immediately uh, got hooked up with Scott Ty, who's the commander of post 18 via Mark person. And after that, we've been running around fundraising for post 201 in the prison. And I, I posted on, on LinkedIn a few times I'm, and uh, I'm not ashamed of my, my prison time. I got I'm empowered by it. I tell people my story because, you know, one thing I never want to do is hide behind a fake persona or any type of like minimizing my life or my story. Mm-hmm. Some of it's shameful. Some of it's regrettable, but some of it can be, I can connect to somebody. So I never like to water down what I've done or where I've been. Well, I think you hit really too on what's something I think is the most powerful. Everybody that I know and that I interact with knows that exactly who I am, what I've done. They know I'm a Christian. They know I've been in prison. They know I work with people coming out of prison. And I think it, it makes it easier for me. I never want enough to think about who I was told what to, number two, but it actually educates people about, hey, you know that guy, the guy, the crazy guy that drives a great car that always orders the espressos when he comes through here? You know, he's, he was in prison. He works with people in yeah. prison. How can, you know, and so it, it starts that discussion. The more you and I can share our story and share it with the people around us, the more it becomes normal for people to say, oh, yeah, that's it. That's He looks just like my cousin or my son or my nephew. And uh, Idaho needs to understand that. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Um, not thanks, everybody, thanks for not, a platform. <laughs> not, not everybody agrees with that and not everybody does it. And I don't, why, I think it's difficult for some people to do that. Why do you think it's difficult for somebody to do that, I guess would be the question. Maybe self-doubt. Because again, when I started teaching GED, there was mm-hmm. no way in the world I would thought, fast forward to 14 and a half years later, I'm still getting record numbers of GEDs. I'm still doing amazing things because... I finally believed in myself. I think people just, so I told Mark today because he does so many crazy things that are just like to the moon. And when I think I can't do this very basic, like free to succeed or American Legion moving up in the ranks, when I see what Mark does, it's almost like when you see a gymnast, a gymnast says, well, I can't do a double, triple pike backflip, whatever. Then you see somebody else do it and they're like, oh, maybe we can, that's attainable. So I always look to like above me. Right. Well, I think in some ways that's, uh, again, we were talking about this before we taped, but if something is you're afraid of something or you don't think you can do it, the sooner you walk towards that and attempt it and qualify and get over it, the better off you're going to be. So it's really, there's a person that walks towards that fear and gets over it. And then there's a person who kind of lays back. Does that make sense to you? No, hundred percent. And I also think it's sometimes I'm finding more and more that, it's like you'll say, boy, I haven't heard from this person in a long time. And, and the reason I haven't heard from them is because they're not doing so well. So yeah. it's really hard for somebody that's not doing well to kind of come forward and say either I need help. But the person yeah. who's doing well, boy, they're writing them off is telling me all the stuff they're doing, you know, which is usually not always the even truthful. That's, right. You know what I mean? So if you perceive that you're doing well, you're out there talking to everybody. But when you're really needing 
some assistance, some support, you tend to head, you kind of tend to hide. Does that make sense to you? Or no, it's, it's, uh, uh, again, uh, there's a guy named James Robedo. He's the VRC at ICC. Mm -hmm. And he did a whole class at our mentorship group. He did a whole dissertation on shame. Mm -hmm. And when you're shameful, you don't want to bring anything out into the light that you're doing. Once you do that, though, you're going to get help. You're going to get support. Asking for help was like the biggest thing that I failed at before. Mm -hmm. I need to ask for help. So that's why I kind of asked Nova to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, I need support. This is this is kind of nerve wracking for me. Some people people bring a support pet, and he bought bought an attractive lady. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, she's not. (laughs) We encourage that. (laughs) But I would just say, asking for help. And uh, there's another uh, guy, Stephen Mitchley. He works at ISCI. He's a counselor. Mm-hmm. He was my case manager. And, uh, he's a certified count, drug alcohol counselor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he taught me something that I've put drugs and alcohol far behind me, about 13 years back. But when it comes to feelings, feelings can cause urges. So when I start feeling some kind of way, now I use this thing called urge surfing, where you can kind of see the wave cresting from afar so you know what to start dealing with and how to deal with it and who to you know contact somebody for support. Mm-hmm. So I use urge surfing for my feelings, actually. So if I'm feeling lonely, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or anything, I just really have to step back because I am doing a lot of things, but I'm doing a little bit in a lot of boxes. So it's not overwhelming, and I know how to close those boxes when I'm done. The other thing I find interesting about you, too, is that you work in an industry. You have a full-time job that's mm-hmm. not related to any of the stuff, let's say, that support for people like us so and then you kind of shut that off and then you go to do it on the on your extra time is that what does that what you do or is yes is it compart is it compartmentalized or do they know where you work that that's what you do they do know what i do but now i'm serving as a mentor and i'm on the cultural awareness action committee at work so i have to actually kind of do some mentoring there and talking to people about different things in the plant because you work for a major corporation yes okay so i mean that's kind of cool Yes, so so, so I do uh, construction all day, but when I'm around these people, it can be stressful. We do production construction, so we're all day just go, 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 and people get overwhelmed. So I'll stop and talk to them for a few minutes, and my bosses love that. And I do work. It's a felon-friendly environment, so there are some people I've actually done some time with and some some friends that I've had before, so uh, we all still remember, and we talk about our reentry. And again, too, if you're listening to us now and you're driving around your car, or let's say you're out there in the desert, this it's real important that those of us who have been incarcerated not only do this to support other people and to go forward, but to be that same role in your workplace because nothing is going to change in this country until those of us who have been incarcerated be, work our way up the ladder to power and to the situation where decision makers are. And so the decision makers need to be people who are uh, previously incarcerated or nothing's going to change for that. So you're out there, you're working, you need to be vocal about it so that you can get to a position where you're on the board of directors of Micron or someplace like that so that you can watch out for people who are have been previously incarcerated and need that same kind of support, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's my pitch for that. That's okay. That's one one of my issues. I just got to do that. I will give credit to Just Leadership USA who taught me that concept and who still does that kind of on an ongoing basis. But it's like you got to look past who you are and make sure that you rise up so that you're on the board and so that you make decisions. That's the only way things are going to change. 100%. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, like I said, it's exciting to find you and to uh, see what you're doing. 
tell me about how you think you're this way and you and I both know people walked out that didn't end up that way. What's the difference between you and that person? If you're both walking out of, it's now called ISCC. If you're walking out of ISCC and you walk out and go and start doing this and the other person doesn't, what's the difference, you think? Preparation. On, the, on both people's parts? Yes. Um, the amount of time you prep for reentry. Mm-hmm. The reentry program. So American Legion and Mentorship Group, they are both all about pre-reentry. Right. Getting ready. And uh, I unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to do the St. Vincent de Paul reentry. I really wanted to, but you I had so I, much stuff. You didn't yeah. Need to. Well, I, I just got, <laughs> I got out about the same time you guys were getting ready to come in. So, yeah, but they kept me busy and normalizing your life, mm-hmm. like not worrying what the status quo is on talking to staff or doing volunteer stuff or being goody two shoes. And he d- looked at like you're that guy. I don't care what I look like. I care what I look like outside of here. Yeah. I get to wear my own clothes now. Yeah. I'm out of prison seven years early. I got topped out to 2030. Mm-hmm. I put in a self-finish after a whole bunch of hard work. Yep. And I'm something. out here today. Yeah, and I did the same thing. So, I mean, I understand that that's a difficult kind of spot. Yeah, but I'd say preparation is key. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I think more and more, um, I think we have time for my quick story about, uh, you know, ICC. And so I got the 20-year sentence with seven fixed. And so I went my first six months at ICC and I went up to my case manager and I said, well, what do I do to make sure I get out of here in seven years? And he pulls my name up in the computer and he says, uh, well, I'll kick back for about six years and come see me and I'll get you out. And that, that literally is what he said to me. Yeah. And uh, I thought, are you kidding? You know, in my mind, I didn't say that, but I walked away and I thought, what am I? But I was fortunate at least there that there was a whole education department yeah. and you could go down there and once you got the GED thing, you could do anything you wanted to do. Yeah. And so until I got in trouble at ICC, uh, I, that's what I did. So I Me just too. started that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I, I always, always say this, people who listen to it all the time are probably tired of hearing it, but I did get convicted of something I did not do at ISCC. And so, but that in some ways was God's blessing because it sent me to Max and all sorts of good things happened after I got sent to Max. Um, but um, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, so tell me something else we're doing. Talk about, let's talk about Jack and the financial thing. Jack Dejanovic, yes. Yeah. So I used to work for Jack. I worked as uh, the administrator for the room for uh, GED Math and uh, an amazing human being and with an amazing program. Uh, he always uh, promotes Curtis Wall Street Carroll on TED Talks, yep. where he talks about um, crime being connected to financial literacy. And it's true because no matter how much money I made, whether I was selling drugs or working legitimately, I was always broke, therefore had to commit more crimes and do more stuff and take more chances. And And if you look at all of the crimes, essentially are crime for finances, mm-hmm. you know, embezzling, robbery, mm-hmm. You know, you name it. So that's a program once I really started getting into, it made a lot of sense. So I back that up 100%. I take his financial literacy course that he has now for anybody that's reentering. Mm-hmm. You can go take it for free. And he has a free certificate from, from Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University for those who want to take it. How many it. people are in the class? Right now, there I think we have three inside the inside the class itself and then remotely there's about a handful like five or six it's too bad because it's really there are nice pamphlets and you can just almost never get people to go to that extra kind of stuff but that's great that you're doing it. hopefully that, that he doesn't lose the enthusiasm 
no. and, and uh, going forward because his classroom out there now at the yard is man it's it's impressive yes. i was in it for the first time last week and so it he's got it's really cool he's got all computers and got all these books and all sorts of stuff he hands out but you and you can tell he just loves his work yes this is work that saves lives um i don't know if you know a guy by the name of carrie thomas yeah of course okay so carrie thomas uh he when my mentorship group graduated they actually took him in his blues from isci and brought him to icc to come hang out and talk with us. And it was the coolest thing ever, just seeing a guy in his blues at a yard full of scrubs. And I was like, this is really interesting. The one thing that I can, uh, we've been doing this for a while, and I can tell you, sometimes you get frustrated because things don't go quickly enough. But if I really look back at it, we've made giant strides in the decade or so that we've been doing this. And there are all sorts of people walking, not all sorts of, there are a dozen people walking around in, in different institutions that have life tales, long tales, and are walking around helping other people. And that never would be the case. So there's a lady that St. Vincent Paul's hired that actually lives at East Boise, and she's going to work in our corporate office and go out and convince and talk to people about uh, apprenticeships. That's uh, just unbelievable. It never would have happened. And she's on paper. She's in prison now, and she's coming to our office, and she's going to have her own car, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> That's amazing. Unbelievable. So, yeah, we made giant strides. And so, in some ways, that's a tribute to Josh and Bree and all the people on the third floor up there at IDOC. So. Yeah. This has been cool. Yeah. Thank you very it's much. It's been amazing. You want to close with anything important? No, anything just you'd thank, like to share? thank you to everybody who supported me while I was incarcerated and reentering. All my friends, family. I've had nothing but, like, an amazing, smooth transition. All my coworkers have supported me as well. Um the only thing I can offer a suggestion is don't doubt yourself. If you see a need, do it. If you can help, even if it's the smallest thing, go do it. It starts at the most basic, just helping somebody. I sat at a desk at a table in prison with chapel forms, education forms, and uh, meditation forms for people that just came through the door and they'd come in with all their stuff, kind of looking around, lost. They're moved on to this tier and they're like, what's going to happen? And the first person they see is me. And I give them like, here's what's offered at this place. Don't you have two paths. You can go the wrong or the right. And I'll help you get there. And it just took that little tiny thing to reach out to somebody and anybody can do it. Hey, listen, it has been absolutely great for having you here. I'm sure that we're going to be associates for a long period of time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free. When he poured out his cleansing Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength I need to start again I've got victory over sin He gives me victory Okay, no one can say I don't have a cool job, huh? I right. get to talk to all these sorts of people. Uh, if you need to get in touch with me and, or find anything out about uh, Ronald and how to reach him, I can do that. But you can contact me at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email at systemicchangeofido. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. 
We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call me on the phone if you want to at 208-477-1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.